Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Rubenstein, joined on Wednesdays, as always, for our SmackDown Live recaps by David Bixenspan. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm having a good morning. How about you on the left coast? Uh, you know, things are going well here. I know, uh, you know, the big Apple news today, I feel like, is overshadowed perhaps SmackDown Live and what's coming up this weekend with the Backlash pay-per-view. But we're going to soldier on and keep moving forward uh, to talk about last night's SmackDown Live and our predictions going into the Backlash pay-per-view, the first SmackDown-only pay-per-view of this new era. So with that in mind, let's kick things off and get right to it. Of course, later in the show, we will also have an update on CM Punk and talk about our predictions for his debut on saturday but first smackdown what did you think of the start with daniel bryan out there giving the most overt plug i think i've ever heard daniel bryan give for something in plugging total bellas in fact getting booed a little bit of people that wanted him to talk more about the women's championship and then having all of the women uh the female contenders all six of them come out for this little uh round robin uh promo that erupted of course into a brawl uh what did you think of that opening of the show david I thought it was funny how clearly mortified he was to be doing this with the plug. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got to earn my money, man. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if you watched Talking Smack, the post show afterwards, but he was doing it again there, too. And it makes me wonder, at this point, what does the WWE have on him? Or is he just completely done a 180 and become the best sport? you know, uh, post-retirement figuring what else do I have to lose? It's either this or go back to the bingo halls. You know, I'm just going to gonna uh you know uh dance for the man as it were um i mean he's under contract and i mean there was you know all the talk about that it was frozen because of the missed time at one point but now now it's not because he is a contracted i mean he is performing as yes. a you know contracted talent even if he's not wrestling so the clock is ticking on his contract again so i wonder if maybe that's part of why he feels okay with doing it but I don't know. It it is weird because he clearly he clearly still has some issues with being around wrestling this much after everything that happened. But he's just he's such a nice guy. I think he is just he is a good sport with all this. But I mean, as far as the segment, it was enjoyable enough. I thought Becky Lynch did a tremendous job with her promo. Becky was fantastic as always. Now, uh, just for people that didn't watch it and that choose to listen to our recap instead, Becky came out and was, you know, talking about why, of course, she wants to be the first ever SmackDown Women's Champ interrupted by Natalia, who was then interrupted by Alexa Bliss, who was then interrupted by Carmella. And, of course, within three of them, uh, Becky not so subtly turning them against one another there with petty grievances in the ring. And then I thought just doing a phenomenal job in her role of like, Oh no, you guys go ahead. Fine. Uh, of course, before it erupted into an all out brawl. And then we had uh, Naomi and uh, Nikki Bella getting involved with it. Uh, with that being said, you know, I d don't want to spoil what we're going to talk about later with our backlash predictions, but do you think Becky's going to get the title first? Or do you think it's going to be Nikki or how do you think this is going to shake out? Mm. Uh, 
it feels like they're building towards Becky, but you never know with them if that's building towards a heel getting it and then her chasing. Yeah, I feel like they've been building towards Becky since WrestleMania. You know, I mean, even more overtly because Sasha was out so much. I felt like Becky was really putting that uh that you know uh feud with charlotte i mean it seems like becky you know might be i I think i think if she doesn't get it this time it's it's really going to start to feel but you know maybe that's good for story though that idea that you know always the bridesmaid never the bride and then we're going to see something more substantial happen when she finally does win the belt maybe it'll be that much more satisfying yeah but also maybe you do want to have a contrast to raw too yeah you have the strong heel champ so I think it'll be Becky or Nikki probably, but I think the question is which of the two, based on the direction, I would say I would say Becky. I mean, it feels, it, I feel like it would be a little too gutting right now to do to not give her the title, especially if it was going to another babyface. Like, I don't think they've really done anything in the direction of indicating that'll go to Natalia, who's by far the best candidate of the heels. So I, I would think it's Becky. Uh, I would think on the right. Vegas on the Vegas betting sites, you know, there's some guy out there with a hope, a dream, looking to make a killing, just wanting to put five dollars on Naomi for the inaugural SmackDown Women's uh, Champ, thinking, you know, man, if this pays off, it's going to be, you know, uh, a phrase Virgil said uh, to refer to his winnings. You can uh, say F. We can say yeah. F money. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that's the thing. I mean, it seems like maybe we'll get swerved with this. Maybe there'll be that that big surprise and there'll be something that's good, uh, you know, which we could talk about what's happening with uh, the tag titles coming up here. But uh, we had that promo, which, of course, led to uh, this. OK, so here's my complaint. I mean, I know Smackdown, by the virtue of being two hours, seems like just a joyous breeze compared to sometimes the long slog that Monday Night Raw is at three hours. But uh, once again this week, what did we have? Six-woman tag match. Uh, this idea, I know we griped about this in previous episodes of this podcast, but that, hey, we got six women on the SmackDown roster. Let's put them all in the ring together for another match. Or let's have four of them in the ring and two of them on commentary. You don't have to bring out all six women every week. I know it's building up towards the first championship, but does that make it feel less special to you that we're going to see the six-pack challenge, this one-by-one elimination on Sunday with Backlash? But, I mean, we've seen all six of these women every week i mean certainly since nikki's been back yeah but i did enjoy that match later they gave them plenty of time they had a very good you know well-moving kind of action-packed six-woman tag i thought it was better than the SummerSlam match the SummerSlam match was good but this got more time and the crowd was much more into it they were kind of putting the death spot at SummerSlam. so oh yeah yeah you know here i mean it was even, definitely one of the high yeah. points of the show even though it's been ridiculous redundant and just feels it like it's exposing the lack of numbers on the women's roster to keep doing this i enjoyed it and i think they probably won't do it after the title match because you won't have to focus on here are these six women as much yeah yeah no i definitely see that i mean what'd you think about having uh carmelo win last night yeah whatever yeah i mean I, she's not clicking yeah. So might as well give her a win, just throw some mystery into everything. Now, by the way, uh, did I miss it or just forget it since last night? Or has no one brought up that the uh, GM is the, is the brother-in-law of one of the competitors? On Talking Smack, it gets brought up all the time. 
Okay. Yeah. Every time um, Daniel Bryan talks about Nikki, Renee Young is like, and of course, you know, uh, your sister-in-law, you know? Uh, so yeah, every, every time on Talking Smack that gets brought up. Uh, but no, I thought the end of that match was interesting. Using, now, using the Raj Giri school of, of booking, Nikki tapping out to Carmella, what does that tell us about Sunday's Backlash pay-per-view match? <laughs> that, that, you know, is that going to be I mean, the distraction? The way, the way WWE books, that means that Nikki's winning the title. If you're going by the usual WWE 50-50, who gets beaten on the show before the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And, of course, we'll talk about predictions later in the episode. Um, So, you know, we had that uh, promo, of course, followed by that match later in the night. Then, uh, you know, there was some backstage segments with Dean Ambrose building up to what was going to happen later in the night with him facing off with AJ Styles. And it's interesting that they kept saying they're going to face off in the middle of the ring, you know. So it wasn't a contract signing. It wasn't a match. But they were going to face off in the middle of the ring. Um, So we had Daniel Bryan backstage talking about his matchup with Dolph Ziggler that's coming up at Backlash. Uh, But we had The Miz versus Apollo Crews with Ziggler on commentary. Bet you no one out there can guess did Ziggler and the Miz perhaps get into it at the end of the match? I mean, he was sitting right there ringside. Um, I actually thought Apollo uh, put on a great show of athleticism in this match. I thought Apollo, after sort of being, you know, uh, lackluster but good matches, I thought that his this was more of a showcase for his moveset. Um, what, what did you think of the match and the matchup itself? Uh, is my mic working okay because you were breaking up for a sec? Oh, dude, now you're totally distorted. Uh, so... Jiggle that for a second there, and let's see uh, if it's clear coming through on my end. I can hear you okay now. Am I okay now? No, nah, you're still distorted. Okay, be right back. You carry things for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to carry things uh, here for a moment or two while David Bixon's band fixes his microphone. Actually, you know what? In fact, that would be a great time to tell people and remind them. DDP Yoga, sponsor of this fine episode of this fine podcast. DDP Yoga has changed countless lives, and many of the past and current roster have benefited immensely from it. Guys like Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Halls, Chris Jericho, and Mick Foley, Gold Dust, all swear by DDP Yoga. In fact, Gold Dust says he's in the best shape of his life. Look at Mick Foley. Look how good he looks right now. DDP Yoga. DDP Yoga is taking it to a whole new level now, too with the new app for iOS and Android devices. So you've got no excuse because you can take it anywhere. And the cool thing about their new app is that you can track more than just your yoga workout. You can also connect it to a Bluetooth heart rate monitor. You can track calories and heart rate in real time, whether you're at the gym, on your yoga mat, or even while you're out mowing the lawn. And all the fitness tracking features, including pain tracking, measurements, progress photos, and more are completely free in the DDP Yoga app. And DDP Yoga Now subscribers, you're not going to get tired of doing the same workouts because they've added completely new DDP Yoga 2.0 workouts, weekly live workouts live from the DDP Yoga Performance Center, and motivational messages every Monday from DDP himself. If you can handle that intensity, you got to check this out. It's great. It's a great way to keep you motivated and on track straight from DDP. And he even is hosting his own cooking show on the app, which will show you how to make healthy food taste amazing. For a limited time now, you can get the DDP Yoga DVDs for 15% off plus three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. Head on over to ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. That's ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. Stop procrastinating and get started now with DDP Yoga. And of course, you know him, you love him. Regular sponsor of this podcast, Trendy Butler. 
It's a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you. You select a style profile and Trendy Butler has a stylist handpick clothes that cater to your needs. Even better, for only $65, you get over $150 in designer clothes. Make sure to use the code WRESTLING10 at sign up to get $10 off. You can find out more about them at twitter.com slash trendybutler, instagram.com slash trendy underscore butler, and of course, trendybutler.com. Take it from me. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who gets the majority of his wardrobe from the WWE shop. If you want to look like a grown-up, if you want to look like a stylish, stylish guy, like like wrestling co-founder Raj Geary, who always puts me to shame when we do these podcasts together, uh, got to check out Trendy Butler. That's TrendyButler.com and use the code WRESTLING10 at sign up to get $10 off. Of course, we thank Trendy Butler and DDP Yoga for sponsoring this podcast. So while I wait for David Bixenspan to return, uh, yeah, let's go over a little bit, you know, and tease the match card of what we're looking at for Backlash. Let's just do a complete rundown. Of course, at the top, the main event, the WWE Championship is going to be on the line this Sunday at Backlash. Dean Ambrose, the champion, defending against AJ Styles, coming, uh, you know, still seemingly fresh off his win at SummerSlam against John Cena. We have a match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship between The Miz, the champion, defending against Dolph Ziggler. Of course, Ziggler uh, lost his uh, bid for the championship at SummerSlam, so now he's uh, you know, down a notch, although The Miz would argue, of course, that the Intercontinental title is the, is the most prestigious belt in all of the WWE, if an A-lister like himself is holding it. And uh, we're going to have a six-pack challenge to crown the first SmackDown Women's Champion, and of course, that's going to be Nikki Bella versus Becky Lynch versus Carmella, Natalia versus Alexa Bliss versus Naomi. Um, then this is going to be interesting. We'll talk about the storyline later in the episode, but American Alpha out of the, the, the title picture for the WWE SmackDown tag team titles, we're going to have this second chance matchup between the Usos and the hype bros. And then of course the winner of that is going to go on to face Rhino and Heath Slater to see who is going to be the first SmackDown tag team champions. And then of course we also have Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt of which there were uh, God, it seemed like uh, a lot of attention, a lot of promotion for that match on last night's episode. Uh, what, Too what much. Yeah, too much promotion. What what did you think of that? And again, do you agree with me that the more you let Bray actually I'm gonna say this right now, the more you let Bray Wyatt and the more you let Randy Orton talk, the less intimidating either one's one of them seem. You know, it just completely ruins the gimmick. Less is more, man. I actually kinda like the uh Orton thing, and I apologize for the somewhat diminished audio quality, but for now it'll make you every next week everything should be back to normal. Yeah. Um I kind of like the weird Orton snake story thing more than most people. It was a long story. And I'm a guy who tells some long stories. But at one point I was just like, so wait, is he the man or the snake? Is he the rabbit? I mean, it was a very, very long, like they could, an editor, like someone could have just gone through this with a red pen. I mean, you're a writer, David. Someone could have gone through this and knocked down, I think, to, to maybe five sentences. There would have been, an, if, the, if they did it in Google Docs, there would have been just a ton of notes on the right side. Yeah, it'd be like, you don't have to keep restating. You know, it's like, if you do this short enough, there's no need to restate again and again who everyone is and what the setup is and the standing and the rabbit and everyone wants to. It was a very convoluted story. So Bray told a story in his misty dungeon with this rocking chair. Um, and, you know, now I'm going to say, unless you're maybe a pregnant mother, I think you should there should be a rule when I'm in charge. This will be no one under the age of 50 gets to sit in a rocking chair. It's just, it looks weird. 
It's not imposing. It looks just, I think with Bray, here's a guy, you know, who's pushing 30, sitting there trying to seem like, you know, uh, old man story time down in the, down on the bayou. And uh, I just, I think with Bray, they need to, they need to just not reboot the character, but they need to figure out, okay, here's what makes him look cool. And when he has followers, he looks creepy and imposing. But when he's by himself, it's just Husky Harris in a different outfit, uh, you know, spouting on some drawl. I thought that look he had at the start of the SmackDown Live era when he was out there in the hoodie, um, no hat, just really showing off the dreg- dreadlocks. And he looked just like sort of, you know, uh, like he just came from the gathering of the Juggalos. I think that was the better Bray look. Um, but I think like, to take him back to swamp cult leader without a cult is not scary. Uh, yeah. I mean, just he, he, we keep talking about this every week. He's cold. Without the Wyatt family, it's even worse. But he needs, I don't know if it's that he has too much free reign on his promos or that he's being too scripted but either way he needs some better coaching on his promos um i mean i i mean i'm trying to think who could do it i mean i don't know who like his main producer is on the raw on the main roster get freddie prince jr back get him in there to work with him you know, and, and give him some of some of his acting advice that, you know, he learned from movies like She's All That and uh, Summer Catch and his short-lived sitcom Freddy. I think Freddy... Wait, Bruce wait, wait. So are you, are you saying that you do not enjoy She's All That? No, I love She's All That. And I'm just saying Fred, FPJ, I think, can come in here and turn this around. I actually, first off, not to digress, I, I was delighted by the interviews he's been giving. Because when you heard, hey, Freddie Prince Jr. worked for the WWE, oh, isn't that wacky, isn't that funny, isn't that kind of random? But no, listen to his interview uh, on Jericho's podcast, listen to some of the interviews he's been giving. I think that guy was actually highly beneficial to the product. Say what you will about his film repertoire, but I think that he actually was, was very, very good at, at helping these guys understand. This is how you, how you sell, this is how you act, this is how you emote, with less being more. You know, and I think that that Bray could really use just just an afternoon, you know, or or get someone get one of the, the villains from one of these WWE Studios films, you know, get one of these character actors just to come in there and be like, man, you don't have to just Robert Patrick. Yeah. Robert Patrick would be a fantastic acting coach for Bray Wyatt. Just come in there and explain to a man like, hey, you know what? Sometimes saying less is scarier than laying it all out there. And he's got to drop the eater of worlds thing. All I keep thinking about is somewhere out there, Bray Wyatt has got a match.com profile and it says body type eater of worlds. You know, it's just uh, it's not. Like, unless you're Galactus, you're not a goddamn eater of worlds. You know, it just, it's, it's not, it's not a good line. It's not a good gimmick. Well, um, I mean, there might be some ways in which eater of worlds might actually be a good line on dating profile, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But so, so they, we had these promos. I mean, did it make you any more hyped for the match at Backlash? I mean, I've seen them do the match. No. I've seen them do the match twice. They were, they did the match uh, both days at the house shows I went to last month and it was a good match. They put on a solid show together. I think their match is actually going to be pretty damn good. I can't wait to see the sister Abigail into the RKO, but these promos, there's no storyline. There's no context. There's no, I mean, there's not even like a petty feud or grievance in this. It's just that like Bray's like, you're crazy. I'm crazier. And then it's, uh, it's just very frustrating to me because I think they could have done a decent job to set this up into a storyline. And instead we just have this, this framework and template, you know? 
So I have a question. Those house shows you went to in the Bay Area, the yeah. matches they did. Um, to me, the problem with Bray in the ring as opposed to his promos is that you have a guy who's like a really deceptively good, dynamic, explosive athlete. Yeah. But his character keeps him from being able to do most of that stuff in the ring. Was he showing that stuff with Orton or was it more of an Orton style match? No, there was there was some nice back and forth. And the thing that I like, you know, actually seeing Bray at a house show a year ago really turned me on Bray Wyatt. I didn't get the whole Wyatt family thing. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. now, now I want to be a fan. So my criticism comes from a point of view of actually really liking him and thinking he has a lot of potential. They're just they're not even that he's packaged wrong. They're just delivering it wrong. Um, but I think that with Bray seeing Bray at a house show where he was having fun and able to smile a little bit and, and, you know, do this little back and forth and be more playful with it. I actually think that's a much more dynamic match when he doesn't have to worry about being in character so much, you know? And I think that that's where the, he has more versatility and potential than what they're giving him right now. So um, I think we're going to see a really nice back and forth with this, you know, uh, and we'll talk about our predictions later in the show, but yeah, those promos took up uh, way too much time last night. Um, speaking of something that went on for way too long, what you think about uh fan day? Fandango's segment that we had Fandango with the mic talking about how Tyler Breeze was off in Dubai buying silk for future outfits. Fandango brings up an audience member to uh, to dance with him. And then, uh, of course, Kane comes out because, you know, Kane's got the fire that Fandango was looking for. Um, I, I mean, it seems like such a weird little segment. Uh, what did you make of it? They've been doing a lot of weird stuff like this the last couple weeks. Uh I kind of enjoyed it for what it was, which was just not not the weird planted fan part that I wasn't crazy about, but Fandango was great. Kane yeah. did his part. So I found I found it enjoyable once the fake fan wasn't part of the segment anymore. Yeah, if you're gonna hire these plants, can you at least maybe narrow it down to three of them and then put them on a video camera backstage and figure out which one's the best talker? Or has the best comedic timing. You know? I feel like sometimes they hire these plants and it's um this was I mean, this was like the Sunny Boy thing all over again. It's like you should be looking. I mean, I know that maybe, you know, where were they Lincoln, Nebraska? Maybe maybe not the strongest talent market, but Is that where I mean, they were? I think it was in Nebraska. Yeah, that's why they were doing the Go Big Red chant for Kane at the end. Okay. Yeah, because that's Nebraska's thing. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with them doing those segments. I just think they should just try and get a little, little better uh, with it. But so, so what my thought that I was thinking when Fandango was out there and Kane came out was I was like, oh man, this this could be SmackDown's version of the Golden Truth if this plays out. And, and I just it, like the image flashed in my head: Kane and Fandango. I mean, think about think about the potential there for a moment of just how what a great tag team that would be. They could call them Kane Fandango. Kane Dango, it writes itself. Uh, I, I think, uh, but I, so I think the idea for this, you know, I mean, as, as I'm thinking about it more, I think the idea was they knew they would get the go big red chance. So I think this was one to give the Kane something to do, but I think that this was them playing to the local crowd, knowing that when Kane came out, he would get that monster reaction. No pun intended. Yes, but they also did the weird Kane segment the week before too. That is true. So Kane is now the king of weird segments. Uh, I mean, let me just ask your preference. Demon Kane or corporate Kane at this point? In the ring or on promos or both? 
see, I think in the ring it's roughly similar, right? It's not like he has a completely different move set. He's not that different. I feel like there was a period where corporate a couple of years ago when the corporate cane gimmick first started, the corporate cane was better because he didn't have to deal with the monster shit in the match. Yeah. Uh, but now that because he, he's slowed down a lot in the last year or so. I think he's better in the ring as Demon Kane because he, now he kind of needs to rely on that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Whereas I, I think the more entertaining character is Corporate Kane. Corporate Kane is comedic gold, in my opinion. I never get tired of that, ever. I mean, just you put a, he, he does it so well, just that sort of goofy, well-meaning, you know, uh, yet don't push him too far. And now that you say that, I think even as Corporate King, he should have a different move set or he or Corporate King should be more careful because, you know, he wants to win the match, but he doesn't want to hurt you to the point where you miss any work because that's bad for productivity. You know, so I think Corporate Kane maybe should be a little more careful in the ring. Uh, but no, it looks like Demon Kane is uh, back full time now based on these segments, though. And I think we're going to be hopefully hopefully this will build towards something or maybe it'll just be a, a you know, sideshow. I don't even know what you use it to build towards. And also, I mean, nothing against the guy. He seems like a really nice guy, smart guy, underrated performer. He really has hit a wall, though. I mean, this he finally has slowed down. I mean, he was always a very mobile guy for his size, but it's like this last year or so, like I said, I mean, he, I mean, he seems like he's kind of done, and we know he kind of has one foot out the door anyway, that he he's may very thriving, well be running for... A thriving Allstate, and is an Allstate or Farmers? He's got a thriving insurance, insurance company He has an office for, but he's yeah. also looking at running for mayor of Knox County, too. Yeah. So... No, I feel like with Kane, um, Kane is like what would happen if they never protected the undertaker and, and kept him out of the ring to build the mystique at this point. I feel like Kane never uh, had yes. Kane. Kane's always been a little overexposed um, to where I think, but you know what? I bet you if they kept him off TV for six months or a year and then, and he, he's had some lengthy time being off TV, but I think if they kept him away and then brought it back, he, he could do now this. Well, I mean, literally he could do the SmackDown version, sort of the B level version of the undertaker stick, maybe come out and do, you know, two important matches a year, you know, but I think he's more of a workhorse than that. I think they rely on him a lot because he's, he's a good performer in the ring. You know, he's got a solid gimmick and uh, people like working with him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there was that last night. Now let's, let's talk about really what the, what the main event, the main point of last night's SmackDown was going into it. We were supposed to crown the, uh, the two contenders for the SmackDown uh, tag team title tournament um, that were going to have their final match. Sunday at Backlash. So to start with, we had the Usos versus uh, uh, we had the Usos versus American Alpha. Now we talked about this before in terms of that it seemed like Rhino and Slater were being built as the winners of this. How were they going to do this, and how were they going to deal with the final two teams being American Alpha, uh, the most technically gifted and proficient wrestling team, you know. The, perhaps in the entire WWE, how are they going to deal with them going up against Rhino and Slater, who, while competent in-ring performers, you know, this has largely been a comedic storyline and one that, you know, myself and other people have been highly invested in. So this idea was, how were they going to do this and still put Rhino and Slater over at the expense of American Alpha? We saw how last night, because American Alpha came out, uh, had a very, like, sub-60-second match with the Usos, only then for the Usos to do a complete heel turn, attack American Alpha after afterwards uh and injure chad gable to the point where on talking smack it was announced that american alpha now cannot compete 
in the finals for the tag tournament. What do you think about this result? And what do you think about the evil Usos who apparently have been drinking so much five hour energy? It's just complete, turned them into complete a-holes. So when you bring up the five hour energy, cause last, last night was the time where it finally clicked to me. Like should these guys who are kind of pushed kids really be pushing five hour energy? <laughs> All I ever think about when I see that five-hour energy commercial with the Usos, where they're like, got a press conference. I'm like, what's the last time the Usos did a press conference? What would that be like? I would like to see, in fact, I would like someone to send me, post in the comments or tweet at me on Twitter. I want documented proof that the Usos have ever done a press conference. Um, And if they did, I'm betting money that it had to do for some foundation or some charity. I, I do not see any other instance where the Usos felt the need to make themselves press available four questions uh, in that sort of setting. But uh, that aside, so what do you think about the Usos uh, turning heel now? Uh, I thought that was a really well-executed heel turn. Like, they kind of ticked all the boxes they needed to, that they made American Alpha look really strong. Uh, they had the Uso, They gave the Usos a reason to snap after they had been teasing the heel turn. They were able to get American Alpha out of the title tournament final so they can chase. And the Usos, like, you know what I I was oddly impressed by? Like, Mm. how, like, what's the best way to put this? Like, how technically efficient they were in executing the physicality of the turn. Yeah. Like, they're go- the, like the specificity of the moves they were using on Gable's knee, like they made a point of like thinking of what can we do that'll actually make it look like we're blowing out his knee. Yeah. And then when they did the, I loved how they set up the splash where I always forget if it's Jimmy or Jay who does the splash, but one puts him in the old Conan's Kilo sunrise. So he has everything except the bad leg isolated. Mm-hmm. I loved that. You know what I mean? I mean, he's holding on to everything except for the bad leg. The bad leg's isolated, and his brother can splash it. I thought that was a cool way to do it, but I thought this came off great. I thought this was a home run of a segment. This did everything they needed. Um, Now, having not seen Talking Smack, I mean, I'm looking at what the official listing is. It's listed as the Usos slash Hype Brothers yeah, second versus Heath Slater and Rhino. So is this a three-way or are they doing a no. pre-show match? No, there's going to be uh, probably a kickoff at the start of the pay-per-view. There's going to be okay. a match between uh, the Hype Bros and the Usos to determine who gets to face Rhino and Slater. It's going to be the second chance match. So but the have they officially match. announced it yes, yet? Yes, they announced it last night in Talking Smack, which, David, I can't believe you're not watching. They, it's, it's actually... Okay, the reason I ask is because they, uh, they don't have it on the website. They don't have the kickoff match on the website. And it's, uh, hmm, Wikipedia yeah, hasn't added it yet. Yeah, it might not be the first match of the night, but no, uh, Shane McMahon made an uh, appearance on Talking Smack last night to state that there's going to be this uh, match to determine who the other finalist is. Um, so speaking of which, uh, with there, what did you think about the uh, the Hype Bros versus Rhino and Slater? It was fine. Um, I kind of wonder whether they should give Heath a little more agency and since they're not supposed to be straight up heels, a little more credibility in the team, mm-hmm. like maybe they're saving that for if they're winning the title Sunday, that he actually gets like the pin and he's actually the one deserving and sets it up. 
but I feel like they just need a little more to them right now. I mean, does that make sense? I felt like this week, um, in place of more storyline and development, so there were two things this week. One, they hired a bunch of child actors to pretend to be Heath's seven children. And in a nice nod to continuity, I know we had our critiques of the segment at uh, at Heath's uh, single wide trailer with his, uh, with his wife, but they, they brought the actress out. She didn't even speak. They just, they hired the same actor actress uh to come out there and who knows for all we know it's someone on wwe uh production staff or creative but they had the same actress out there in the audience continuity nod uh, in addition mm-hmm. to all the that hugged after the episode so the thing that that could be what well, i feel like they used a couple times the term hillbilly like uh, last night in describing heath's character. and uh me a little bit of where they might be going with the character um Post, you know, going forward, because I feel like this whole hottest free agent thing has actually been fantastic. I've loved that. I'm really shocked WWE shop has not started selling those free agent shirts because I think that they're actually, you know, subtle, but, but kind of cool. Um, given, I mean, the WWE merchandises everything. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you look at the, I mean, shirts, sometimes to try and force a gimmick. So it's weird that they would have Heath wearing that shirt so much and then not sell it. But yeah, they've uh, been a lot less hesitant to market stuff than they used to. Oh my God. Like it I used to be that said. they wouldn't necessarily do stuff for certain undercard guys, but now it seems like just if there's something, boom, there's a shirt. I mean, they're still trying to get rid of those Seamus 515 shirts. I don't even remember what that was. It's in 15 seconds. Oh, they they actually sold those? Oh, yeah. No, they had them immediately because Seamus was... Yeah. Seamus she, she, wore the shirt, kept saying, Seamus 515 says, I just broke, kicked your arse. Ass. But they should have been arse because that would have been character consistent. Oh, uh, But uh, yeah, they're still trying to get rid of those Seamus 515 shirts. How much uh, are they? If I were to go to the WWE shop right now, do you know? I think you could probably go in for 10 bucks. Okay. I'll look. Yeah. Surprising side note. So WWE has been doing these mystery boxes lately for, for 25 bucks, you get five shirts. Uh, and myself mm-hmm. and everyone else predicted you'd be getting in those five shirts, some Seamus 515 shirts, some Ryback merchandise, perhaps some weird gotten merchandise they were they're trying to get rid of. But mystery boxes actually have decent shirts. Uh, and the first ones that went out, there were like Oscar shirts and Sami Zayn shirts and uh, decent enough variety that I'm actually thinking about ordering one of them uh, because, you know, I like having more wrestling shirts. Um, but yeah, that Seamus 515 shirt still selling, yet not on clearance, waiting because I know us uh, go, waiting for those social outcast shirts, you know, uh, but no, they're still 25 bucks. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's the thing. This merchandise Slater free agent t-shirt, and he's not going to be a free, free agent after Backlash. So they missed a fantastic merchandising opportunity for the storyline of the last six weeks. We're both assuming that they're winning on Sunday, that the Usos or the Hypros are not getting the title. You know, it could, you know, it could be, being the Usos would be interesting. I mean, it's got, okay, first off, it's got to be the Usos. You don't set up, have the Usos do a heel turn only to get to lose to the hype, And then loses yeah. the Hypros. Although the Hypros, I contend, have been very solid on the main roster. I think their act plays a lot better in arenas than Full Sail University. Yes. Yes, they're not as universal as uh, Enzo Cast. Well, of course. Could, could anyone be as you know? Uh, you know but although the hype bros kind of play into a similar thing, though, right? I mean, it's this idea where it's like someone will see hype bros or Enzo and Cass and be like, oh my God, what douchebags. But then you listen for a minute with Enzo and Cass and you're like, no, but they're brilliant. You know, uh, the hype bros, I don't think the brilliant part necessarily. Uh, I don't think they've done anything to, to specify that. Maybe you'd say that they're, they're sort of ironic and uh, that oh, would win oh. over. Breaking news. What's that? So you were wrong about the Seamus 515 shirt. What about it? They only have one size left. Guess how much they're charging. 25 they bucks? Have it left. 
What? It's 25 or 10? Five. 499, yeah. 499. So if you're size small and you feel like, oh man, I missed out on the Sheamus 515 thing, head on over to WWE Shop. Uh, I think there's a Wrestling Inc. promo code somewhere on the website. Use that. Go to Wrestling Inc., find the WWE Shop promo code and use that there on your order. Um, it does say I just broke kicked your arse. Yeah. On the back. Does it have arse? It does say arse. It does say A-R-S. Okay, it does yes. have arse. Oh, that's what it was. It was Finn Balor when he was talking about uh, Seth Rollins getting his ass handed to him that I was like, that's that's wrong. Well, I guess, you know what that means? That yeah. th- that must mean that saying arse is something that they've deemed as like Seamus's gimmick that must be protected. Yeah, Finn's Irish, but Seamus is super Irish. Have you seen his entrance? He's been to Ireland. He took those photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh Oh man. So, okay. So, uh, so we have that going on and we'll, and we'll talk about our predictions, uh, going forward, but let's just quickly talk about what happened with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose facing off in the center of the ring. Um, man, they're really, 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 I know we talked about last week about how much they're selling the AJ Styles groin injury, but no, now this is like a storyline point. This is now a character thing. Like, you know, AJ Styles, uh, you know, getting kicked in or uh, getting dropped on or kicking other people in the nard. Uh, that's, that's now part of his sh- in addition to trying to, to to claim the face that runs the place. Um, what, what did you think of their face off? Ambrose giving him the bowling trophy and, uh, you know, all, all that, all that stuff. I didn't think this was effect, as effective as last week. <laughs> I thought it was a little too sh- sh- Last week was a good, like, non-fidal image, like, as a thing to kind of keep everything going. For the last show before the pay-per-view, I thought this was way too sticky. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, with AJ and going full heel and knock I feel like they take it a little too far sometimes. That whole thing last night with, like, cell phone um, and then, like, threatening the guy on the, the talking smack thing. This is like the equivalent, uh, you know, if his, if he had a longer, uh, if he had a long mustache, he'd be twirling it. You know, that's how over the top they're going with it, with this heel turn. Hmm. Uh, I kind of get what you're saying. I thought, the, yeah, I didn't like the phone thing, especially because the backstage staffers that they use, like, are always just very, uh, not the best actors. Powering from him. So that, that, that wasn't necessarily something they needed i mean it didn't bother me yeah uh but overall i just did not think this was a great last push for the i mean honestly it felt like they did a much better job building up the women's title match and the tag title, and to a degree the tag titles because that that one was kind of in flux but like it felt like this was in third place it was yeah. a little weird i mean the last segment but otherwise that's the thing. So, I mean, the AJ, the angle now, the storyline is AJ defeated John Cena at SummerSlam. Thinks that now he should be getting all this respect, but he's not getting it. So, the way to get it is to beat Dean Ambrose for the title. Like, I get that. That's a pretty clear through line. But I, I feel like, you know, they've been as subtle as a sledgehammer in how they've uh, sold that <laughs> and his motivation. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, so, so, okay. So, let's now let's work backwards when we talk about our backlash predictions. And my first one to you is, who the match between Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles this Sunday? And is how heavily do they lean on groin area injuries in this match and in the, in the pivotal moments of this match? Hmm. I don't think you can go too far with it because if it's AJ that doesn't, and I think AJ's probably winning, then he's kind of getting revenge. And should the heel really be getting revenge? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I, I don't know if uh, my my gut feels like they probably would do something, something, but if I think AJ's winning, so probably not. It, like this, I don't think you should have the symmetry if he's winning because he's a heel. Yeah. You know, I have a mixed opinion about like the benefits and detriments of a Styles win at Backlash over Ambrose. I feel like with Ambrose right now, they they I, I think they haven't taken it as far as they can go with Ambrose title win. You know, and I feel that it's taken mm-hmm. a while for Ambrose to get sort of comfortable in this position and how he's played it. And I feel like we've seen some real moments of greatness and then just some moments of like, you know, like I didn't like the, the mean thing he was doing to Dolph. But I think Ambrose, um, the face uh, works really well. I think it suits him well. I think I think he does that character well. And uh, I, I don't know, you, you might be right, though, because this being the first SmackDown only pay-per-view, they have to do something to get people interested. I mean, this this runs the risk, right, of being like one of the lowest few pay-per-views of the year, doesn't it? It doesn't really matter with the network, but it does feel like a pretty cold show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The val- since you're having more than one show a month and you're not really caring about selling these on pay-per-views, it's almost like the value proposition of now. You get two pay-per-views a month for $9.99 is the, is the deal here. They should just add another, they should just bring Sunday Night Heat back point and just do Sunday night heat semicolon backlash you know I mean if you're gonna have a pay-per-view every two to three weeks let's just make it a weekly show you might get more people to tune in on a regular basis you could maybe alternate and do like some of them aren't called pay-per-views or aren't even offered outside of the network as pay-per-views like I know I believe is it backlash or class of the champions that's not going to be on traditional pay-per-view I you know the time I, I forgot which it's one of them Clash of the Champions has to be on. I mean, I would be shocked if that's they don't wrong. I mean, I mean, I'm guessing it's backlash. I mean, yeah, this I, is, I think it's the only one because of the timing that they weren't able to get the slot. Oh, I feel like people would digest these a little better if it was something like did it like WCW? You know, have a series of Clash of the Champions specials instead of on free TV. They're on the network, and you could play around with the day of the week. And I would do some, I mean, yeah, on one hand, you're not going to be able to say that. You get two pay-per-views a month. I feel like it's more digestible to fans if you're not getting two pay-per-views a month, if you call it something else. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it some weeks feels like a lot of work to keep up with everything going on in the WWE universe. And I if they rein it in and we start having two-hour pay-per-views with the exception of SummerSlam and WrestleMania, um, you know, I think that would would be manageable. But, I mean, thank God. I mean, I haven't seen anything about a pre-show or, you know, this isn't going to be, I mean, looking at the card, there's like, what, six matches? This isn't going to be a four-hour pay-per-view again. I don't think I could handle that. I don't think Raj could handle that. That guy he was about ready just to keel over and die after SummerSlam, you know, and all the wrestling he had to, to consume. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I think, uh, yeah, I think AJ, point that aj winning will further establish smackdown and maybe give a little more a little more momentum so i think maybe best for the brand is having aj win at this point because D- dean win is just comfort you know in the status quo and uh no one to you know no one tunes in to see the status quo i guess is what i'm saying uh, uh let's uh keep going and uh, jump back to the tag titles a second i mean i know we we covered this but just your official prediction it walks out of there as the first smackdown tag team champions um, okay, so it's Uso. I mean, Usos have to beat the high pros. And Usos versus Slater and Rhino, who I presume are, I guess, are official. Are they officially babyfaces then because of this? Or are we calling I, Seal versus Seal? 
No, I think, I mean, Ryder and Slater, I mean, they've been, I think Slater has been a baby face. I, I think actually their whole thing, I mean, Finn Balor and the jetpack, they, they put him. Slater is, what, can you think of better character development that we've actually seen in the last, in recent months, telling a story of a character's journey from one place to the other? For Slater? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the amazing thing is, I mean, they still... As much as he's portrayed as a goof, they still did let him stand up to Brock Lesnar. Oh, he's seen this. I, I mean, uh, this is no joke, people. This is no hyperbole. It's just Glenn trying to be fun, stretch something for a point. Slater's the of the era. If you look back, post Battleground, it was an afterthought. That joke about him being left in the room with the lights turned off wasn't even on SmackDown, the draft. It was on the Posha Network. He went from that to being on Raw and SmackDown every single episode in the build up to SummerSlam, having a segment. Uh, teaming with Rhino, giving Rhino storyline motivation out to the point where I don't know if it started as a legit line. It probably just started as sort of a ha-ha funny just do it. But I think the audience reaction has now convinced them to build this into a heavily audience-invested storyline. I mean, if they don't win this, you just show up on Raw and SmackDown each week for a job. I feel like they have to win this to bring the storyline to a satisfying conclusion. This is WWE. Who said you have a right to feel satisfied? So, I mean, what you go with from there then is... They kind of do have to win because Slater does need to get the contract. In that Usos versus American Alpha is a side program with Slater and Rhino versus whoever being the, the tag title program? Or do they just drop the belts to the Usos on the following SmackDown? See, I'm of two minds about it, but I know I said this before. I love American Alpha. And I feel so invested in them from their storyline of coming together where, where they won at takeover um, in Dallas. I mean, you know, I, got, I won't, I won't lie. I got a little misty eyed there in the building because it felt like, Oh my God, here's this year long story. That's coming to a conclusion. They're finally getting their moments of triumph, holding up the belts. Hey, we did it right. Like the ending of the karate kid and Rocky all rolled into one. They had their moment. And then as champions, American alpha was, were kind of boring. I mean, they had, clash with the revival but you know what i mean hey we have these two guys on top and they're really good guys and they're really proficient wrestlers and amazing on an athletic level that that very few people can match hey how do we make that interesting every week you know when they're like the like the most over faces uh in in the in the tag team division um how do you book that going forward if you have it's like the kurt angle problem you know what I mean? It's like so if you're a super gifted athlete and you have all this athletic cred, you have to be a monster a-hole because it's not an interesting character as the champ. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that. Or you can be just, you know, like the Steiners seem like they're kind of a model for them. You can just be really dominant as a team. I mean, I, I think you can do that too. I mean, it's not in a storyline way, but if, for them, I think it fits. Sports entertainment, David. Sure. The entertainment sure. part. See, I think now with American Alpha, we have a really good storyline in place. So Where, are we going? Go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, because with the injury, right? So they pulled this. So uh, Gable's going to be out for like four. And it was weird how Shane was doing it. It's like in this era of all injuries, they have to come locked and loaded with all this, the spiel every time they announce when the kayfabe injuries. So they were like, oh no, you know, meniscus and, you know, uh, and it's four to six, no surgery, no surgery, but he just needs some time to recover. You know, it's like they, they give you this very nice condensed storyline planned mm-hmm. uh, window. So, I mean, what I think they do is I think uh, they have Rhino and Slater win. And Rhino and Slater, you know, get to go around with the Usos and the other teams. They get to make the rounds, right? They're going to get to defeat the Vaudevillains, defeat the Ascension, defeat Zongo, uh, put them in something with the Usos, have it conclude around four to six weeks, and then 
in uh, at No Mercy in Sacramento, California, where I will be in a month, uh, or maybe the one after that, then you have American Alpha come back and defeat the Usos. And we have this great storyline, you know, about the, their road to recovery. I think that works. I mean, so you, I, yeah, I, mean, I think, I mean, the question is more how long you give Slater and Rhino with the titles, but I don't think, I mean, that, that's maybe a conversation for another day because they clearly do have to be winning here. To figure, what, what do you do with the character? And we talked about this earlier. We've talked this with every other dog. Dogs, the underdog, what under, keep fresh and interesting. So we'll see. But yeah, my money is complete. Uh, let's talk about our Continental Championship and Dolph Ziggler versus Miz. So they really tried to shorn in this um, of now Ziggler being the quasi stand-in for Daniel Bryan. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm my being excited for this this is wwe fumbled the ball not to mix sports metaphors but uh absolutely beautiful promo is on daniel bryan a few weeks ago and they really did very little with it but now we have dolph ziggler that that is challenging the miz for the ic championship i mean i i don't care about this match much i don't think ziggler is the right person to switch the title to Miz after all these months so i think miz wins i mean i don't really see as much more than a distraction for now. I feel like this had the title long enough and developed enough momentum, especially now the last couple of weeks. They need to give it to someone that they're looking to build up a little more. And yeah, Ziggler is clearly to them not that guy. They should start doing. Uh, I think the mission should start doing a Cena's Open you know, U.S. Challenge, his hmm. U.S. Open. Uh, you know what? I think they're doing something like that going forward. Of saying like, okay, everyone wants to say that I'm soft. Everyone wants to say I'm afraid that we more confident Miz after this. Maybe we put him up against Stick Apollo Cruz at this point. It's, I feel like both of those know to be interesting. Here's the real question: Regardless of who wins, do they show the KFC segment with the Colonel and the Chicken with Ziggler is wrestling? Do that or after their actual match on Backlash? Oh, because as we talked about last week. Does, now that they're feuding, it really feels weird that you're showing the segment where they had a fake wrestling match together. With uh, the Miz in a chicken suit and Dolph as the colonel, where they put enough thought into it that, they, I mean, they did makeup. They did a wig. It's inevitable, and the question is before or after. Um, has there been a certain spot of how late it's been in the show so far? It was pretty late SummerSlam in SummerSmackdown. What about SmackDown? It was pretty late in SummerSlam. I don't know on SmackDown. I mean, I think KFC's buy is up yet. You don't go to that level of promotion for for a two-week buy. I mean, um, I'll go with after. Yeah, I think after is a safe bet, which will really be weird. Uh, even weirder, though, if it's before. So please, WWE, after, it'll be uh, not quite as embarrassing for all those involved. Uh, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Who wins and do you care? Uh, I don't know. And no. <laughs> I don't think it really matters who wins. Uh, either one, I think, will be like, uh, not, not a spying victory. Either one will be like, yeah, that happened. Uh, so victory. Um, but please, please just give us an actual storyline. Uh, uh, if you're a betting man, $100 on the line, are you that certain to see the Sister Abigail into the RKO? If Orton wins? I was going to say yes, but this is clearly a few they're going to drag out for more than one show. Oh, you think so they save that? They don't burn Yeah, it so it's, if they're dragging this out for more than one show, my gut is probably that Wyatt wins the first match. Orton wins either the second or third with the sister Abigail into the RKO. Yeah. I think it's the WWE, so we're going to see it. Like By the time we get to match three, they'll be doing five times in the same match. Like, just like, again and again, be like, you know, hit it again. I mean, like, 
The RKO, man, like, I mean, people start, ch- I, I know I go on about this, but people start chanting, that means the bird of wrestling. Like, people start chanting for that, and Randy comes out, because it's initials, they're chanting for the goddamn move. And, I, like, everyone, he's going to do the RKO. He's not, like, has there, what, when, when's the last time there was an Orton match where he didn't do the RKO? I have no idea. I, I would have, uh, it has been longer that Leonard Skinner has played a concert without playing for bird than Randy Orton has done a match without hitting an RKO. Somebody fact check it and leave it in the comments. Been a long, long time. Uh, that's what people come to see. And by God, he's a do it. Um, lastly, let's talk about the women's match. I know we talked about our predictions earlier, but you're thinking you're thinking key for SmackDown women's champion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we discussed this pretty in depth earlier, but yeah, I think yeah. I've, set, I've set on Becky. Yeah, I could see it being Nikki. Uh, I see it being Natalia. I just think Natalia's boring as a heel worst gimmick i mean we know we know what natalia's worst gimmick was i think everyone's on the same page with that um but uh this is the second worst you know um uh, i don't know if i'd necessarily go with that <laughs> do, do you have a list that, that's uh, david i'm surprised i'm surprised you don't have an article written the worst gimmicks natalia's had in the wwe i mean i'd have to i'd have to think well are we counting total divas shtick though is that that would make things interesting now is that now is that kayfabe though is total divas or how do they Ooh, I guess not. So maybe that doesn't count. Yeah. But I'm pretty confident that's Becky yeah. at this point. Yeah. Natalia also had that weird thing where they were making her out like uh, sort of like hot soccer mom for a while, like with the weird like uh, 80s makeup. Yeah, I mean, Natalia's had some unfortunate gimmicks. I think I think they're still trying to find something that, that suits her well. I actually liked before her heel turn. I thought her as just sort yeah. of the, the veteran technician was a pretty good, pretty good gimmick. The heel is just kind of, it just doesn't wear for me. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, look, if it's not, if it's not Natalia, uh, Becky or Nikki, I, I would be shocked. I feel like I would put a confident money. I would put a substantial sum of money that it's one of the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't see it being Carmella, Naomi, or Alexa. Oh, I think Alexa would be fantastic, but I just don't think she's at that status yet. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, all in all, of course, um, here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, immediately after Backlash ends, uh, Matt Morgan, Raj, and Vince Russo will be live to talk about the results of the Backlash pay-per-view. Uh, before we wrap things up and head home for this episode, CM Punk's got his, uh, his big debut on Saturday. His big fight against uh, Mickey Gall, right? Yeah, sorry. I was hearing a noise in the room. Can you hear that? <laughs> no. So what's your prediction for how that all goes on Saturday? Um, uh, he's going to get choked out in a round, probably. It's unfortunate. You know, I mean, I, I know I've, I've watched two episodes of the documentary. Um, I want to be surprised to see Punk pull this off and, and do this, because I think at this point, maybe the, the storyline is that he's in so far over his head. But I don't know. This is UFC. Oh, no, that was not the storyline on Monday's episode. Oh, I didn't see. What was the story on on this week's episode? Okay, so you, you've noticed, I'm sure, that each of the sparring sessions so far, they show the name and the record of who he's sparring with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this last guy, they did not. And, of course, this was the guy who Punk pretty much dominated and then tapped out with... Um, a very odd-looking rear naked choke where he did not have his hooks in. He did not have control of the guy's body. Um, it's not necessarily to say that they worked a sparring session for the documentary, but it's possible they found, you know, the worst guy they could find. It's 
the whole thing doesn't look like a good sign. Um, he's not – Mickey Gall is just – they could have found other, like, 1-0 level guys who he could have matched up better with. Like, there aren't a ton of regional, you know, rookie fighters around. And they found someone who's, like, a legitimate jiu-jitsu brown belt who actually was very competitive with some of the best grapplers in the world at a grappling tournament he did last year. Like, he's a bad, bad matchup. Like, it's it's become obvious that, as opposed to what everyone thought initially, which was that they kind of staged the whole thing where he was on Dana White's reality show and called out CM Punk. Mm-hmm. No, now it looks like it was that they just decided to go with the first guy in Punk's weight class that called him out on the reality show. And, and it's someone who's gonna i mean the the thing the thing that i guess is the upside to this the silver lining is that probably not going too badly hurt punk he's probably gonna take him down and submit him yeah Yeah, i don't know i don't know how they would have done this you know actually you know how they you know how they bully well Uh, i mean we were talking about green ranger well we were talking about this on a monday monday night show and i was comparing this to to the 80s said no let's actually see stallone box been a hundred million dollar pay-per-view easily um and i think stallone actually could have done it and would have been really interesting uh now that i'm thinking about this you know how they should have booked this they should have found another former wrestler another former wwe guy yeah it is a little it is a little weird that they didn't that it doesn't seem like they considered that either i mean i'd have to think about who you'd really even want to even consider like would you look for someone who at least has some kind of interest who trains not like much that much of an athlete or anything like and no one's coming to mind but there there must have been someone they could have found actually if it had happened a year now so if we were playing a year from now i'd say ryback it's already right there the weight class wise that wouldn't line up i know it wouldn't line up but man would that be a match but you know what i mean though is that like let's it's an interesting ufc match if Hey, we have two wrestlers from, from sports entertainment. Then now we're gonna do a, do a real UFC. That's an even match. That's an interesting match that no one's sure who's gonna win because we don't know how good these guys can actually fight. You know, I think that would have been the. I'm really surprised they didn't go that route. Maybe they couldn't find anyone else who wanted to do it. And that's definitely more intriguing. Um, I mean, I'm thinking back if they had gone after if they had gone after Del Rio, and I'm trying to remember if there were any rumors they did. I don't remember hearing that they did. I think it was mostly the other groups that I'm interested in Del Rio before he re-signed last year. Um, I mean, the thing is, Del Rio probably would be punked. I mean, Del Rio actually has probably too much of an MMA record that it would have been, that it probably wouldn't have been sanctioned. So, oh, speaking of that, did you, did you see the comments from the uh, head of the Ohio Athletic Commission? No, no. So fill everyone in on that. Okay. Uh, People have been digging around Ohio's, codes and all that and says that one who is making his pro debut not even just factoring in punk's age which at least in other states i'm not sure about ohio gains additional scrutiny if you're over 35 if you're making your debut normally you have to have at least five amateur bouts if you're making your pro debut in ohio you can get exemptions and that's what happened here and what bernie profato the head of the commission said was well uh he has the, he has the same type of background as Brock Lesnar, and we've been happy with. And this isn't the exact quote. And we've been working with the UFC and their matchmakers for a long time, so we trust their judgment. So yes, the same background as Brock Lesnar. Yes, CM Punk, former NCAA uh, champion, exactly Wonder the same. One. And if you're a regulator, on top of that, saying this is the same as Brock Lesnar, I trust the promoter is not the stance you should be taking. Yeah. 
No, so, so we'll see, we'll I mean, Ohio's got some other weird stuff going on. They're, they're one of the states that still regulates wrestling, and among their rules are that you need special permission to use foreign objects. And their ban on intentional bleeding, not just ban on bleeding, and the use of animal blood, because that is a thing that happens, apparently. Uh, <laughs> very weird. It's, the thing that's weird about Ohio, too, is they're not even a bad commission. It's just Bernie Profato's kind of a doofus. Blood. That that sounds like one of. The, I mean, that, that wasn't even on secret revealed, right? They were like, wrestlers secretly keep animal blood underneath. Well, the they bed. didn't do any of all the weird made up stuff that was in there. They, they did have blading for blood. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't do anything like stun grannies for blood. Grant, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think you're. Hey, but hey, a broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, yeah, they they had uh, probably some some you know some truth of all that but yeah man that's special I remember watching that when it came out one note uh just want to get your comment on it quickly before we wrap up uh kurt hawkins uh hawkins did not debut this week as was said because so, right he was supposed to make his de- his re- that sounds right i mean now they're saying it's gonna be next week um yeah still doing the chuck norris gimmick i don't know what to expect i don't know why this is his gimmick but he, he's back next week um if styles wins your prediction do you know next week or how long more how much longer do you think they keep cena off tv mm, i mean what is it i'm trying to think is he shooting american grit now or is he doing other stuff he did last week didn't he do the dark match after the show um but he, i mean he wasn't around this week i don't know i don't i'm just trying to think how i'm trying to remember how long he's actually supposed to be out for gotcha and he because i don't think there was a return as far as the house shows and him being advertised for any of the house shows I don't, was there any kind of, ret- I don't think there was any kind of return date, no, right? I, I mean, I think there was just. I mean, but Grant, yeah, remember, I'm not sure. they flew him across country when he was working on the Teen Choice or, or the ESPYs or whatever. They flew him out to do a quick five minute run in. Um, and I, by the way, I could be wrong about the dark match. That could have been uh, someone else entirely last week. But uh, I think uh, I'll be curious how much longer they keep him off TV. But I think they have a good storyline for his reemergence. Uh, so everything for this week. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter. They can follow my Twitter. Well, you want to plug any new articles, anything you're working on? Um, I mean, yeah, you know, of course I'll have the live UFC coverage on wrestling Inc. This Saturday. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else big to plug right now? If you want to hear me talk more about the punk stuff, I am going to be on, uh, the, which we got, uh, press row podcast. Take that earlier this morning with my buddy, Jordan Breen. Uh, I mean, otherwise, I mean, don't want to plug too much stuff. So that's it for now. So, cool. Yeah. So we'll be back here, of course, Sunday, immediately following Backlash. Check that out with Raj Giri, uh, Matt Morgan, and then, of course, I'll be back on Monday night. And I'll be back here next Wednesday, where tentatively we will have Andrew Zarian from FQ Network and the Matt Men podcast joining us as a guest. Uh, just to make sure everything keeps aligning with that, but it'll be great to have Andrew. So until next time, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and I'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.